Hey Dragons, welcome to episode 45 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. This episode is with Eric Zayla. He is the director and one of the stars of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation, as well as Raiders, the story of the ultimate fan film ever made. These, oh, Eric has such an interesting story. It was him and a few buddies in 1982, when they were 12 years old, decided to make a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They finished it in 1989, with the exception of one scene, which was, if you all remember Raiders, the airplane scene. Uh, there just was not a way for them to do that at the time. So... Lo and behold, 25 years later, they did a Kickstarter, and they finally finished the film. Um, They're touring it right now. Check the show notes for dates. I believe they have one coming up at a Comic-Con that is also a cruise, Uh, so very cool there. Also, one last show note, I did want to say that this is going to be the first of three pre-recorded podcasts intros. Um, I'm going out of the country tomorrow, and so I've recorded episodes 45, 46, and 47. I recorded those intros tonight, which is January 8th. So if there's anything super cool that happens that happens to be a little dated, just uh, that's that's why. So other than that, uh, let's get started with Eric. Workout nerd out, y'all. Alright, welcome again, Dragons, to another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. I am your host, Kenny Rodder, and today I am joined by Eric Zayla. I believe it was the director of Raiders, the ultimate fan film. Eric, how are you doing today? Hey, Ken, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. We're glad to have you. And here we are on the last day of 2016. You guys are wrapping up your Raiders tour. Um, before we jump into the meat and potatoes of everything, could you give everybody just a brief history of like who you are and your role with the Raiders film? Absolutely. So back in 1982, when I was 12 years old, a friend of mine said, hey, you want to do a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders Lost Ark? And uh, being a kid and having no idea what I was getting into, said yes. Wound up taking us taking us seven years from age 12 to 19, um, but we finished all except for one scene and uh, went on to life and, and whatnot. And our film accidentally got discovered years later. Uh, we had the uh, praised by Steven Spielberg, boyhood hero, got to meet him uh, traveling the world. And most recently got the band back together again as adults to do the one scene we couldn't do as kids, the airplane scene, and raised $58,000 on Kickstarter and to build an actual flying wing and blow it up. And actually, there's a documentary about the whole crazy wild ride on Netflix right now called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made, um, if folks are curious to check it out. Um, but that's uh, that's our big, long, sprawling story. Um, or 
shot-for-shot remake of Raiders Lost Ark, known as Raiders Lost Ark, the adaptation of which I'm the director and I play Belloc. All right. Excellent. And um, so that's such... I'm, it's a lot. I know. No, it's it's it's. There's so many places that I want to go with just a how great it is that that's how impactful Raiders was to you and your childhood friends. Thanks. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, something's Raiders. Uh, it's a special film. I mean, I, I I have been asked while we've been on tour, and we just uh, we're just wrapping up a, a 65 city tour uh, touring with the documentary. Um, and, and the fan film is a double feature. Um, you know, people often, you know, often ask, um, and, uh, there was, uh, is there any other film that you would like to remake? And this is going to sound strange, but I mean, I love say all manner of movies. I love the Godfather, but I, I have the slightest desire to remake it. Um, you know, yeah. but the, the twisted thing is that remaking Raiders Lost Ark shot for shot, sounds fun to me even now even though i've done it already and and spent <laughs> and, and and it's you know kind of uh, dominated my life you know since i was 12 um still seems like a fun idea yeah and and first i i love what you guys have done with raiders i love raiders oh um, thanks both both the the new like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the film, as well as what you guys have done with it. Um, I feel it'd be really hard to remake The Godfather because (laughs) people ask me, you know, always, what's your favorite movie? And to that, I have numerous answers. But what is cinematic perfection? I Uh I always say either the probably Godfather or Godfather Part 2. Yeah. Both those combined are just everything a movie should be. Oh yeah, so so many great uh, great stuff. Uh, you know, we um, on tour uh, we often uh, we were approached once by a kid who said that he wanted to do a shot for shot remake of uh, Temple of Doom. So hopefully, so uh, we certainly not are not going to be doing Temple of Doom the adaptation just to get that out there <laughs> you know, and out of the way. Um, but yeah, there's there's um, there's certain films that are, are just. Uh, uh, amazing uh, hold up i call um raiders um the dick clark of of films because it never quite seems to age you know yeah um even ghostbusters which uh, awesome movie um it's uh, special effects look dated uh and it came out a couple years after raiders but somehow the raiders uh, all those uh those great effects from the melting face to the boulder it, they all stand up um they all they all still hold together after huh, 35 years i mean uh, what other movie has peop has sellout um, release screenings thirty five years after its release, right? Um, I can't think of another. Um, so yeah, great great film. We're we're very glad that we chose our source material well. Um, <laughs> I think if we had chosen, say, Smoking the Bandit, um, I don't think anybody would have cared. <laughs> um, Burt Reynolds might have cared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True um, that. So real quick, just so people can get to know you a little bit. Um, tell, tell me about one of your heroes. You mentioned Spielberg earlier, but it could be just a source of inspiration or your favorite superhero, uh, anything like that. Just one of someone you Uh, think is a hero. 
Well, you know, I mean, before Chris wrote me into this crazy, crazy Raiders uh, uh, idea back when we were 11 and 12, respectively, I was going to be a comic book artist. Um, and my hero back then was Marv Wolfman, um, a, uh, a wonderful comic book uh, writer um, that I actually got to meet as a result of Raiders, you know, uh, touring at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, you know, a couple of years back. But but uh, but my real sort of longest standing childhood hero is probably Steven Spielberg. Um, I mean, he, he you know, I, I by directing our Raiders remake, I was it was a it was a good learning exercise in terms of sort of tracing the master's footsteps, you know, and you really by osmosis, by sort of film school on the fly, you learn to pick up things about composition, locking, lighting. Um, so it was very, very in, informative. And you really kind of see the the genius of his work. You appreciate that when you're, you know, you study it like, I don't know, like we did back then uh, as scholars seem to study the Dead Sea Scrolls. We kind of piece together Raiders because, of course, it wasn't out on video um, when we started in 1982. So when it was re-released in theaters, um, tried to commit as much to memory as possible. (laughs) Were were you in the theater, like, jotting down notes, or is it just all strictly from memory? Well, you know, we uh, actually snuck in, I violated copyright law and and snuck in an audio tape cassette recorder. Uh, I can talk about this now. Um, (laughs) Statute of limitations is passed. Yeah, yeah, perhaps, you know, and... uh, you know, first Chris actually uh, tried it, and he got busted by a uh, an usher um, who, who thought, uh, "Okay, why is this kid wearing this big bulky jacket in the middle of summer?" Um, <laughs> maybe because I look more innocent than Chris, I, I was able to to get uh, to get through with it, and and I recorded most of it. I mean, and, and listened to it excitedly afterwards. And and sure, you know, the, the audio quality recording is poor. You you hear the uh, the sound of the audience cheering very spits over it, but it really served as a memory jog. And, and yeah, I mean, again, this was uh, the summer of 82 and Raiders was released in 81. They way back then they used to re-release films in theaters a year after if they did well. And so I, you know, so between the recording and trying to burn as much into my memory cells as I possibly could, um, and buying everything Raiders we could get our hands on every storybook, every, uh, photo insert with the record, trading cards, Starlog magazine, you know, to kind of cobble together um, as memory jogs, you know, for when I, I sat down one summer and drew all every shot um, from memory using these various uh, photo and, and visual and oral uh, memory jogs. Uh, the, my illicit recording was actually came in handy a lot that and, and practicing my faux French accent for, uh, my character of Belloc. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, it was, um, you know, and, and so that those six inch and two shots, which we actually, by the way, I finally dug out of the pencil originals out of my mom's attic recently. And when we did our Kickstarter campaign, uh, published it in a book and, and offered it as a reward to folks that, uh, helped us make the airplane scene happen. You know, uh, that's a whole different story, but, um, but yeah, um, those were that was the kind of homemade blueprint that we used the remaining six years, um, and uh, and then of course Raiders came out a couple of years later on Laserdisc, and we were like, oh, we get to watch it, um, <laughs> and uh, and thankfully the the by memory thing was pretty accurate. Uh, I didn't have to redraw anything. That's 
That's absolutely phenomenal. And I just want to say that's really, that's really great that you guys, even at such a young age, were so committed to, to making this. And you said it took you seven years to do the first part and then you finished it up just a few years ago. That's right. Yeah, we worked uh, from age 12 to 19. I was actually a sophomore at NYU Film School by the time we finally finished. And then it, uh, and then, you know, took a break and was unknown, uh, not so much as uh, even a rumor on the internet. We just sort of set, set it aside and, and then went on to life and, and uh, work and, and whatnot. And then was accidentally discovered. That's kind of a story into its own. And then um, that led to a 10,000 word article in Vanity Fair magazine, which led to a, a book uh, by Alan Eisenstock that came out back in 2012. And then most recently, documentary uh, that was released uh, and, and has, uh, just came out on Netflix about a month ago called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made in which, yeah, we finally get the band back together again after all this time. And um, to do that one scene that we couldn't do when we were kids because it was too complex. Yeah. Uh, the airplane scene, because of course, the airplane blows up at the end. <laughs> and twelve-year-olds playing with explosives is probably not the safest thing we could do. True, true. Although anyone who has seen our our, our film Raiders Lost Ark: The Adaptation well knows we were hardly models for um, <laughs> safety. <laughs> Between setting my mom's uh, uh, basement room on fire to recreate the uh, the Raven bar fight, uh, where the whole saloon burns down. Uh, and actually, at one point, I have the guys douse my back with gasoline and light, light me on fire, um, as as covered in the documentary. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we're kind of young and dumb, um, but uh, so uh, but we couldn't we couldn't find a um, anyone who would let them <clears throat> blow up the airplane, even with a. Uh, though I managed to get, of all things, a pipe bomb recipe from this delinquent kid in my social studies class. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and thank God the recipe did not work. Um, you know, it, it oh, could have. Yeah, yeah. That, that would really mess up the this, this Cinderella story. But um, but uh, it, it was uh, not meant to be back then. And it was too. I mean, you've got various explosions, this rotating airplane. I mean, our best idea back in the day to do this was to scale the chain link fence at ocean springs airport and shoot around the single engine airplane gorilla style. But yeah, how are you going to blow it up? And, um, so I think it was out as ambitious as we were, it was out of our reach. And, you know, after the film was discovered in 2003 and we started touring with it and folks would ask us in Q and A's afterwards, Hey, um, uh, you know, what about the airplane scene? And we joke and said, yeah, we should do this right and get the band back together again and, and, uh, and do this. Yeah. I think anybody will notice the, the continuity, uh, uh, <laughs> error. And, um, it was kind of ha ha, but, um, you know, on, on some level, I think it bugged me that we never did, uh, do the scene, uh, no joke for years, five years after we finished shooting in 1989, I had reoccurring dreams that we were shooting the airplane scene. You know, sometimes it'd be in the Grand Canyon, sometimes it'd be in a clearing in the Amazon forest. But so, um, uh, finally got to, to scratch that itch. That's excellent. And I have, so my next question is the seven years from 12 to 19, why did it take so long? Was there just life in the way or it was just planning and preparation or? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, when we started, uh, you know, at 11 and 12, we had, 
how do you go about this, you know, with a submarine and explosions and uh, uh, spiders and, and snakes and, and locations? Uh, we had, you know, uh, as, as Indy says, you know, we're making it up as we go. Um, and so for that first year, we sort of groped around in the dark on how do you do that? I wound up doing a shot list, uh, absolutely worthless, as I realized when I got to the end of it. That's when I realized, ah, storyboards. Okay, that's how the pros <laughs> do this, you know, trial and error. And um, it took me the whole summer to to storyboard it. And meanwhile, we do all pre-production. So that first summer, um, we didn't shoot anything. It was all basically pre-production, um, casting, pro- building props in Chris's grandfather's backyard and in my garage made up to look like a cave, et cetera. Um, year two, we shot, but uh, it, we, we stunk. There, there's no nice way to put it. There, you know, video uh, camcorders were in their infancy, and um, we, uh, we hadn't really any filmmaking chops yet. But here's, here's the beauty about um, doing an, a known film is it sort of holds up a yardstick as to what your film ought to look like. And, you know, so uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, by osmosis, we kind of picked up things and, and kept shooting scenes over and over and over again until we got better. Um, and also, I should mention, another reason why it took so long is we only shot during the summer vacations. Chris, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, he during the school year, he went out to this uh, expensive boarding school in Long Island, New York. Um, but we we exchanged letters and photos of like, hey, I found the 1936 Life magazine in this bookstore in New York City. Hey, I... I just finished doing Egyptian wall paintings for the map room in this basement room in my mom's uh, under my mom's house. You know, check out the Polaroid. You know, um, it's coming along. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's that sort of commitment and dedication is just so incredible to me. I've had I've had so many people in my life. There's one guy in college. um, He really wanted to be a filmmaker. He really wanted to be a director and a writer. And I was like. You you live in a dorm. You have t- tons of friends. Like we will give up our weekends to to shoot with you and stuff. And he's like, "Well, with what time?" And it's like it's like, how often are you going out partying? How often are you sitting at home playing video games? It's like there's the time. It's just you didn't want to put in that dedication and that effort. Yeah, so, you, you know that's that's very true. You know we. As you might expect, I mean, we saw the whole spectrum of kind of, you know, commitment. Um, and, and that is, that is, I think, why ultimately we finished. And the main bit of advice I would give to people is always finish. Um, you know, because, yeah, like you said, there are plenty of times, hell for me, uh, Friday nights where my, in high school, you know, where my peers would be out doing keggers and I'd be spray painting hieroglyphics on my mom's basement wall. Hi, <laughs> <I> loser. <laughs> but <laughs> hell, you know, I've, Having like met Spielberg, having touched the original Ark of the Covenant prop, you know, having now a documentary, man, no, no regrets. Um, you know, there is sacrifice. You're right. You know, um, but it, it's worth it. It's worth it to 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 finish and and have it be all all that it could be. Because yeah, otherwise it'd just be a box of videotapes in somebody's basement. No, absolutely. And you know, I, like I I feel very similar because it's like. I'm here. I'm spending an hour with you um, on, a be, on a Saturday, New Year's Eve. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to be spending some time editing this so it can go up before I go on vacation. I'm going to be editing some other things. Um, and, and so it's like, it's that dedication where, okay, I could be sitting downstairs watching college football and having a beer, you know, right. but I, and I think you're very similar is, is what drives me in life is to help awesome people do awesome things. Yeah. And so it's like you with Raiders is obviously an awesome thing and you and Chris and everybody involved are awesome people. And I just think that is, you guys are the epitome of what dedication and commitment can do. Ken, thank you, man. That means a lot. I'm, I, yes, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I've been kind of consumed by, you know, the passion of, of, you know, creating something, whether it's a podcast or a fan film or, you know, a piece of, of a fan fiction or, you know, I mean, you know, we, we express our, our passion for, you know, the, the creative side in, in different ways, but the common thread running throughout is, um, it's not work, you know, if you, yeah. you love it and, and it's, it feels, um, you know, it, it it's almost like a, a force of nature, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, consuming and, and yeah, you, you make, you make choices. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, really grateful to obviously to have that really unconventional, uh, childhood. It's, um, it's kind of the reason why, you know, we actually kind of gone on to her, uh, parent my, myself now and got a, a couple of kids and, uh, 10 and 12 and, uh, want to shake them out of their comfort zones and have them see the, the world. And, and so we've been traveling with them on, on the road and, uh, hope to show exactly that kind of uh, passion what uh, in terms of going a, a road less traveled and finding um, satisfaction in in that um, though it takes time though it takes money um, there's nothing like that if, if you're fortunate enough to find something that you love yeah absolutely um, so my next question is and I'm just so curious about this. What were you doing when this kind of exploded? Huh. Well, you know, uh, I was, it was an ordinary day at the office, um, back in, uh, in, uh, 2003. And I get this email out of the blue. Hey, Eric, uh, you don't know me. My name's Eli Roth. I'm a horror movie director. I just sold a movie called Cabin Fever. And this is going to sound strange, but Steven Spielberg, has seen your Little Raiders movie, and he loves it. He wants to write you a letter of appreciation. What's your address? And I'm thinking, come on, who, who's pulling my leg? I mean, <laughs> this kind of thing doesn't happen, right? You know. Um, but I wound up talking to Eli uh, that night for a couple hours, and it dawned on me, wow, this, this guy's for real, and, and this this really did uh, happen. This uh, you know impromptu screening of our uh, of our fan film out in Austin, Texas, during Buttonamathon, and and Spielberg and all that. Um, so yeah, I had, I had sort of, uh, after finishing, I mean, I should, you know, I should preface by, by saying none of this was supposed to happen. I mean, we just did a shot for shot remake of Raiders Lost Ark as kids because we loved it. We loved the movie so much. We wanted to inhabit that world. And this was obviously pre-internet, pre-YouTube, uh, no aspirations of, of, anyone seeing it. I mean, aside from a pipe dream that, Hey, maybe 
one day Spielberg would see it and love it and not sue us. <laughs> uh, which that, that part came true. Um, and, uh, and, and thank goodness. But, uh, but no, I mean, uh, we just did it because we, we loved it. Um, you know, and so, uh, it's, it's all, uh, uh, you know, you can't, can't calculate this, this sort of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's just like, I think that's a testament to when you are passionate about something and you love something that it can be successful no matter, no matter the budget, no matter, um, the circumstances. I think the biggest example from 2016 I can think of right now is, um, Deadpool. Hmm. You know, oh, Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds was just so in love with that property. He fought for years to get it made. And it, you know, I do think that that movie is one, it is a movie made of love. Yeah, the passion comes through. You know, you can you can tell if a movie is made half-heartedly or, yeah, or if there's real love behind it. Well, and I, I mean, I think you could look at a number of other giant blockbusters the past year and be like, you know, that mm. flopped. And you could be like, okay, that's the difference, is yeah. that passion instead of just passion for money. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, um, uh, in some ways, kind of analogous to um, practical effects versus CGI. I mean, where the human eye knows, um, you know, there's maybe, there's another kind of dimension to it, too, um, that's more subtle, that uh, kind of permeates the whole, the whole work. And, you know, which makes the difference between, I guess, uh, a Raiders Lost Ark and, uh, oh, Pick a pick a number of a couple ripoffs of Raiders back then that haven't obviously even come close to standing the test of time in terms of something that's done with with real passion and love. Um, at least you know traveling with our our, our little uh, Raiders film. I mean that's what people uh, have have said that they respond to that they can tell it's kind of a love letter to the the Spielberg original and that the the affection for the original Raiders comes through. And if so, I'm glad. Obviously, I'm I'm too close to it to to say, but um, but if so, I'm I'm really happy by that. Uh, it's a joyful thing getting to watch the best bits of your childhood put in order and set to John Williams in a darkened theater with cheering strangers. <laughs> that that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit to a little bit about you, and then we'll circle back to talk uh, a little bit about more about Raiders and where people can find it. Um, cool. But in regards to you, what is your favorite area of nerdiness? Either TV, ah. comics, movies? Oh, gosh. You know, I used to, as I mentioned, I used to be a comics guy. Um, but I, I am, I'm, uh, I'm out of touch. I, I need to, uh, but time obviously has been, been in demand of late. So <laughs> I, I'm a former comics, uh, maven. Um, and, you know, I, I, there's much TV that I love, you know, the bar has been set really high in terms of, um, Hey, I didn't know that it was possible to pull that off on, uh, on TV. I mean, older shows, you know, from six feet under to the wire more recently, uh, game of Thrones, you know, is, uh, I, I think, um, really, you know, got me, uh, engaged. And of course, uh, you know, films, of course, uh, here's the irony though. I've just, finished um been in 
dozens upon dozens of cinemas across the country, 65 city tour that we just finished. And, um, but it's been to do screen my own film and, and I haven't watched a movie in a movie theater, uh, in months. It's like water, water all around and not a drop to drink. Um, <laughs> how, however, I should note that, um, that's going to change. Uh, we actually have one final stop, uh, of the tour. I should mention, um, uh, the 65th is, going to be Cosmo, Mexico, um, via this cruise called Fan 2C. Uh, it's going to be leaving Tampa January 19th to the 23rd. And and um, Frank Miller is going to be on board, a whole bunch of great things. And in that, um, there's going to be Lord of the Rings extended edition marathon screenings. I'm going to gorge myself on movies. Oh, wow. There and, uh, and meet the cast of Walking Dead and, and all that good stuff. So, um, so. To answer your question in terms of kind of where do I sort of geek out um, those areas, you know, I, I, um, you know, Walking Dead is one of the shows that I enjoy a lot. It's, it's not as, 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 as deep uh, as, as certain shows, but it's, it's so watchable. It's so great. Um, Gardens of the Galaxy 2 um, cast is going to be on there. Stranger Things, which enjoyed a lot, obviously Child of the 80s. And oh, yeah, that I, I actually just finished that last oh, night. Cool. Did you like it? Um, I liked it. I don't think I was obsessed with it as everyone sure had kind of told me. I think it was a little overhyped for me. Yeah, it's not the the uh, the end all be all. Um, yeah, but I I did enjoy that. Uh, it felt uh, '80s without kind of hitting you over the head with it. Yes, uh, and good sort of. Um, uh, I can't help but appreciate evoking. Poltergeist and E.T. as as season one did. I understand season two is supposed to be Indiana Jones uh, themed, so obviously uh, I'm going to tune in with interest um, there and see what that's going to be like. Oh, yeah. And I just, probably the thing that I loved most about uh, Stranger Things was the the cast was incredible. Yeah. And um, Millie Bobby Brown, who played Eleven, is just like she was incredible so Um, watchable so watchable and she's going to be on the cruise too um and as i understand it just just got started in in acting um pushed her mom to like let her audition and stuff um so a very recent uh career and obviously a a born natural um she's she's great and and she actually just made a, a passing comment that she would love the opportunity to play a young princess Leia. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm all about it. Do yeah. it. <laughs> got intensity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Was, she was so incredible um, in that show. She was, I, I want to say if there was one person in that cast that kept getting me to let Netflix go to the next episode wow. was her. She was that, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Um, I did have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have, I have a lot more questions for you. But in the genre of your favorite area of nerdiness, you said you're a movie guy. Haven't really had the opportunity to see a lot in theaters recently. But what is one thing you're into that somebody might find surprising? Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, and it could be nerd-related or not. It could just be a hobby or something completely... Um, off the off the radar. Hmm. Well, let's see. That is 
a good question. I mean, I love to read. I love music. Um, and uh, I think, I mean, most recently in terms of like trilogies, you know, I loved Lord of the Rings, Hobbit trilogy, not not as much. Um, really did. There. Uh, really dig uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman trilogy. You know, I thought as as a comic book guy, I felt okay, cool. You know, it felt uh, it felt right. It sort of feel like in general, we're we're enjoying kind of a, a golden age of of uh, superhero movies. Um, oh yeah. And, and as though I grew up a DC Comics guy, I gotta say, Marvel's obviously succeeding more and kind of pulling it off. You know, in terms of the the long game and, and overlapping uh, uh, storylines and whatnot. Um, really, really enjoying that. Um, probably not a big stretch that I'm, I'm into that, but there you <laughs> go. <laughs> and then if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, hell. Um, <laughs> it would be to um, be Green Lantern and with the ring create a decent Green Lantern movie. um well put that is that is probably i think there's a lot of fans that would very much appreciate that superpower yeah yeah Yeah. i don't know if if the ring could pull that off but i i would i would try there you go that's all we can ask yeah Um, my my so you're on this 65 city tour yeah and you sent me a picture of the the van or the bus uh-huh. Um, Raiders Yeah. Which, A, is the coolest thing ever. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but are you guys, are you guys like total rock star in it, taking that ah. from city to city? Are you in that, that bus for? Yeah, we, we are. We're, um, we're skin in the game and, and I'll explain that. Um, you know, when, I mean, it was much when we did the airplane scene, um, you know, uh, and 58 grand on Kickstarter. Not not enough, you know. Uh, we we wound up chipping in uh, my wife and I seventeen thousand. Um, you know, doing Raiders has always not been about making money. I've yet to make money really from Raiders after all this time. Um, it's about you know loving it, and in that case, finishing the scene. After that, we um, you know we got an offer from a sponsor uh, who who loved our our the documentary and our story very much and wanted to help promoted and so offered us um a nice amount of money to uh promote it asking in fact nothing in return um and it was a good amount of money substantial enough to buy a nice car with but not enough to mount say what was then a 40 city tour um and you know after a lot of soul searching you know my wife and i um decided to do the tour self-funded we uh we actually sold our house in Las Vegas, a uh, swimming pool, two-story, um, to actually buy the Raiders RV. So we've actually gone full, yeah, fully mobile um, and on the road and have been since Seattle, June 2nd. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, – so the adventure continues. Um, I, the real irony is uh, people joke that, um, you know, between uh, – <laughs> Getting having the AC unit cleared off a low hanging bridge or um, having blowouts, <laughs> but never missing a, a single screening gig of all all the, the the cities, which grew from like forty to like sixty five, going all around the country from like 
Omaha, Nebraska to, to Portland, Maine, um, to, uh, to St. Augustine, Florida. It's been, it's been wild. Uh, it's been joked that there should be a, a sequel to the documentary. Um, and it feels like there is, uh, in there somewhere, a book anyway. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been wild. Uh, it's been really something traveling, um, doing Q and A's in front of double features of the doc and the fan film and, and meeting folks and, uh, traveling to some really amazing places and meeting some really, really incredible people. That is such, Hey, I, I was going to say that exact same thing is that you have another documentary about touring <laughs> with the documentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, life's not, not been dull. Um, I should say, but I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, um, and grateful to have a, a wife who values following dreams over financial security. Um, and in fact, we've, um, you know, the the Fantasy Cruise, you know, ma- marks the final tour stop of the Raiders tour. But we've uh, actually, uh, in the course of the uh, months uh, on the road, so many teachers and educators in particular have, like, invited us to come out and screen our little Raiders film at their school. Um as a means of kind of showing kids what's possible um, and what they can do um, being high on creativity, low on budget and, uh, and inspire them to, to finish, you know, what they start. And so um, we're, we've enjoyed a uh, life on the tour so much that we're actually doing that. So there's a couple of school gigs already that we're doing starting in one in Atlanta, June 4th at the Mount Vernon um, school um so yeah the adventure continues that that's excellent that is really really excellent and like there have been so many advances in the last 30 years that i think what kids today could do could oh, uh, could absolutely rival and don't take this the wrong way but maybe yeah. even surpass what you guys did with raiders Absolutely. The, the camcorder technology was for us, it was like just, just enough, you know, to, for people to move from Super 8 to like Betamax and VHS. But, but yes, it's very rough. And, you know, we would have killed to have, uh, then what kids now have in, a, in an iPhone between, <laughs> from, from resolution to like nonlinear editing ability. Um, you know, but, you know, of course, the tools uh, aren't a substitute for creativity. And, and, you know, there's a it can be a double edged sword. It could, you know, um, you know, some of our best bits of the film came out of limitations, you know, of, um, you know, and one of the things that uh, can, that I've kind of learned from the experience is that, you know, when you're creating something, being able to kind of roll with a problem and kind of work around it may result in a happy accident. And and something that was better than what it was before. I mean, uh, there was a, a shortage, it seemed, of spider monkeys in Mississippi in the 1980s. So, of course, we wound up improvising and uh, used Chris's dog, Snickers. And, of course, you know, it kind of makes it. I mean, the boy and his dog, uh, you know, iconic. Uh, and and so what was uh, a limitation turned out to be kind of um, uh, one of the... the Parts that audiences have always reacted most strongly to is in seeing the the big reveal that nope, it's not a spider spider monkey, it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so Snickers looks on. That's that's wonderful. That's really funny. <laughs> um, 
So, life on the road, driving to all these cities, how do you maintain some semblance of health and wellness? I mean, it's just got to be, like, diner food, I'm thinking, but maybe I'm just grossly misinterpreting it. No, no. I mean, for the first several months of the tour, it was that. Um, We were like a different city a night, which was exhausting, exhilarating. But yeah, it doesn't make for the best uh, diet because you're always on the go and um, and and figuring out charting ahead where you're going to sleep that night, you know. Um, and so, uh, however, um, more recently, since you know the the tour, you know, it's it's la- second to last stop uh, wrapped up in the southwest in uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas, on September 25th. And after that, you know, we've uh, enjoyed uh, things slowing down considerably and us kind of taking a bit of a rest and uh, having taking the opportunity to travel around, say, state parks and show um, our kids. Uh, Quinn, uh, he's uh, my son who's age 12, Darcy, who's age 10, um, around the country. And in slowing down, we got to uh, to do some cooking in the RV um, and uh, and and balance it out a bit. But, you know, but you're right. Um, life on the road is challenging. It has, um, like everything else, it's a trade-off. You know, you have to, uh, the simple act of, of um, filling a glass of water requires sea legs and a sense of balance. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you're in your apartment or house, it's no big deal. Um, you know, you can hit a bump and have the jetpack, your source of internet on the road, fall into the dog's water dish, and boom, you're out to $200 on internet for the next two days. You know, um, that's. but on the other hand, you get to wake up and, and see, oh, wow, we're in mountains region since it was dark when we came in and, and dropped anchor last night. You can see... Um, you know, the rocky coast of Maine and then the great sand dunes of Colorado within a week. You know, it's um, it's um, so there's there's, uh, you know, advantages to RV uh, living that we've discovered. That said, we're enjoying right now being uh, home for the holidays and being still for a bit. Um, That's good. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, like I would love to just take an RV. I'm a big uh, craft brewery guy. Oh, cool. And they, they pop up everywhere. So I like traveling the country. Um, even if it's for something else, I would make sure to stop off at like every brewery I could. You know, it's funny. Every time, uh, it was my local, my habit that whenever we would, um, stop for beer, I would always get whatever, ask what the local brew was to sort of experience, um, what that was and have kind of a, a, um, a taste, uh, adventure, so to speak on the road as well. Um, (laughs) That's excellent. What was what, what was been your favorite, if you can remember? I remember the local brew in New Jersey was the strongest. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was the best, but it was the strongest. Um, you know, just had uh, one called Cane Brew as we came back through Louisiana. Um, there was some good stuff in, in Texas as well. Um, and also in the Great Lakes region as well. Um, oh, Asheville, uh, North Carolina. Oh. That good spot. So delicious. Um, Me and a buddy did, because they've got like eight breweries within walking distance of of Asheville. Yeah. 
by the time we got to the last brewery, we were like, we don't even know why we're here. Let's just go home and go to bed. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say that we'll, we'll pick up any subtleties uh, at that point. But yeah, great, great spot. And, and there's been some uh, some great uh, uh, some great food, some great uh, uh, beer out there as well. Um, so that's been a, a nice perk of of taking this adventure. Now on on this adventure, did you have either making the film or making the shooting the final scene or on the road trip or in the screenings, is there a resource um, that's just your go-to resource that helps you plan, helps you uh, perform or whatever? Just any any app or resource that helped you accomplish the goals that you had with this film? You know, um, when we sort of uh, would chart our course and whatnot, there's a... Um, there's a website um, and an app uh, called roadtrippers.com that uh, that is was really great and free and and uh, wonderful in terms of kind of um, journaling your adventure. You know, we didn't have time to to do a journal. We wanted to, but as I mentioned earlier, it was too breakneck pace. Um, but we did get to know roadtrippers.com, and it was uh, it was really handy. Um, you know, and. Uh, so I'd say that was the main kind of resource. Um, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Um, a little bit more. Where can people find out about its fans to the sea? Oh yeah, um, fan to sea. So fan the website is uh, fan the number two and c s e a, um, and uh, they've got the whole lineup. They've got like. You know, everything uh, from, as I mentioned, Frank Miller and the, the Dark Knight 3 team to uh, Stranger Things cast to Walking Dead to um, to uh, nerd burlesque shows to, uh, you know, to fan uh, to Lord of the Rings marathons out outside by the pool, you know. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I, will, I will include a link to that in the show notes. But most importantly, I think... Where can people, you, you already said people can see the doc on Netflix. Is there any place else they can see the documentary? And is there any place they can see the film? Yes. And thanks for asking, actually, because all, all this, uh, this is one of the things that helps us support the tour. Is um, Our website is RaidersGuys.com. And uh, yeah, after, after seeing the doc, folks always want to see our film. So you can actually make a donation there. Uh, and receive your own DVD copy of our film, which uh, will include the airplane scene um, and even uh, even a commentary track on, on how we made it. Um, that's been uh, that's been popular on the road. Um, hell, um, there's even a uh, the published storyboards done from memory, uh, uh, formerly available to our Kickstarter uh, backers for the airplane scene. We've making that available as well. Um, and also even the Eisenstock book, which just got re-released in paperback. So yeah, um, you know, it's been uh, a popular spot for kind of geeky holiday gifts as well. So if you know someone who, who, uh, loves Indiana Jones, yeah, RaidersGuys.com, uh, and it all goes towards supporting the tour. Excellent. Excellent. I will include, um, links to all that as well, at least, um, most definitely to RaidersGuys.com. And cool. Where, if people can't make it to the cruise, 
Um, where can people connect with you and the film, um, social media wise? Ah, well, you know, I'm on Facebook. Um, and, uh, the, the, uh, sort of school, uh, tour that uh, I'd mentioned earlier, where actually, um, my wife Cassie and I were sort of forming, uh, a motivational speaking outfit called Zela Detours to sort of kind of, uh, represent that. And we'll be over time getting, um, ZelaDetours.com, uh, fleshed out. We've got a, a homepage there now, but ultimately we'll have a tour of where one can go and see, um, have a rare public screening of Raiders adaptation. Um, for example, we're, we're doing exactly that in, um, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, at the Mount Vernon uh, uh, School in the uh, auditorium. There's only seating for 100, but it's, uh, it's the first, I think, of, of many. We're probably going to also hit El Paso along the way. We've been invited to a place at Fort Worth. And um, it's possible that we could even expand it to colleges and university campuses as well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been really an amazing experience, um, and we're looking forward to it. So, yeah. Uh, if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, January 4th, um, I think, I think there will be a screen that's open to the public, limited seating. Excellent. Excellent. And again, we will include all that information in the show notes page. Awesome. Thanks, Ken. Absolutely. And to cap things off, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening to the podcast? Well, you know, uh, two things. One, if, um, if you're a kid. You know, it's not uncommon that people don't take you seriously, but we managed to get a World War II submarine through three years of asking. So be persistent. <laughs> um, don't That's give amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's true. Uh, we, we wore Captain Deathly down, poor man. Um, and then finally, um, you know, always finish. You know, it just would have been a box of videotapes in somebody's basement if, if we had, had um, given in to the temptation to just throw up our hands in frustration. But um, really glad that we pushed through when it when it wasn't fun, when it was tough. So that would be my advice is push through those tough spots and finish. Um, thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I love I love the parting advice. Always finish is a great piece that people should definitely take to heart. Thanks. Very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, I want to say thank you so much. Please be sure if you can go see this film in person, um, get to one of the screenings, get to the cruise, um, fantasy, uh, down in Florida. If you can't check it out on Netflix, check it out online, do what you can support, Awesome people doing awesome things. And other than that, we will catch you all on the next one. Work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.